0: Welcome to, and with your spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit that we might be transformed. Today we celebrate the feast day of Corpus Christi, which is our parish's namesake. It's not often that a parish is named after something besides a saint. And so whenever your feast day comes around, it's really cool. Today we celebrate the moment um, where Jesus gives us his body and blood, where he wants us to be reminded that through him, through consuming him into our life, into our physical bodies, we have a share in eternal life. That's what we hear in the gospel. And so for the times where we've not accepted that salvation from Christ, where we've either stayed away um, in word or in deed or, or physically from our Lord, let us call to mind our sins and ask the Lord to forgive us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's feast day, Corpus Christi, is a great feast day in the church because as Catholics, it's one of the things that sets us apart from other Christian denominations. Corpus Christi in Latin, the body of Christ. We have it. What does it mean for us? I think that the Eucharist answers three primordial or deep questions that each of us has wrestled with at some time in our life, or that we'll wrestle with one day. And here are the questions. First, is God really with me? Is he present? Two, do I really belong? Do I belong? And three, what will happen when I die? Is God present? Do I belong? And what happens when I die? The Eucharist answers those questions. In the first reading from the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is in the middle of his very long speech. He basically, when he addresses the people in that book, it's one giant sermon, unending, kind of like Father's homilies sometimes, like Corpus Christi. And he's telling the people, he's reminding the people of what God longs to do for them, like God already had done for their ancestors. In today's reading, we hear Moses remind the people, don't you remember what the Lord your God did when he brought you out from that land of slavery, the land of death and decay, the land of darkness, and he brought you into your own land, and also how he gave you the manna in the desert, even though your fathers didn't know what it was? In fact, in this short passage from chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, Moses twice says that God gave the people their forefathers, the manna, even though they didn't know what it was. Twice, he says that. Why would he say that? Well, let's go back. When the people were in the desert wandering around, eventually they got hungry. No surprise. As they're hungry, they start complaining to Moses, saying, if we had only be back in Egypt, where we were enslaved, even though we'd be beaten and bruised, even though our families would not have freedom, at least we'd have dinner at five o'clock. And Moses hears the people and takes their request to God as the mediator or the bridge. And God says, I will grant their request. Why? To let them know that when I take them out of one place of darkness, I don't put them into another one. When I bring you out from something bad, I will be with you in the next thing. God is wanting to tell the people. And so... He says, they'll have their fill. The next morning, chapter 16, of the book of Exodus. Actually, by the way, the place where they're wandering around in the desert, do you know the name of this wilderness? They're wandering around in the wilderness of sin, S-I-N. Ever been there? Not a good place to be. They're wandering around in the desert in the wilderness of sin. They're cut up. They feel cut apart from God, which is what a sin does, right? It removes us from God's grace or impedes it. And so that's when they wake up in the morning, they come out of their tents, and they're rubbing their sleepy Israelite eyes, and they look out upon the ground, and what is there? Quail, meat, because who doesn't want that too? And also these fine flakes like hoarfrost, like wafers, scattered across the ground. We even hear a description of them in chapter 16. This is uh, verse 31. The house of Israel named this food manna, M-A-N space O-U in Hebrew, manau or manu, which in Hebrew directly translates to the words "What is it?" They saw it and called it "What is it?" You know, like my like my family members who say that's a thingamabob because they don't know what it is. It's a name. They look at it and say, "What is this?" Manow, manu, and it becomes manna in name. It was like wafers, we read in Scripture. Moses then says in verse 32, this is what the Lord commanded. Listen to these words if you've never read this. Exodus chapter 16 verse 32. We're starting with verse 32. Keep a full omer or portion of the manna for your future generations so that they may see the food I gave you to eat in, in the wilderness when I brought you out from the place of slavery. Keep this bread as a sign of my presence to you for your future generations. How long does bread last at your house? Moms, dads, if they don't eat it, the kids, it's, it's going to go moldy. Not future generations, maybe like future days or weeks. So clearly the Lord God through Moses doesn't mean for it to be this specific bread that already fell, but for bread that will be like it in the future that will be kept as a sign for other people who are wandering in the wilderness of sin and need a reprieve to know that God is present to them. Let's keep going, though. A couple more verses here. Moses then tells Aaron, verse 32, or verse 33, take a jar, in the Greek, it's, the jar is actually golden vessel. Take a golden vessel of the manna and put a full portion in it. Fill it up. Then place it before the Lord to keep it for your future generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron placed it in front of the covenant to keep it. The covenant was located where? In the meeting tent, which they called what? The tabernacle. Moses tells Aaron, gather up some of the white wafers of manna, put them in a golden vessel, put it in a tabernacle to keep it for your future generations that they might know I was present and will be present again. Boom, done. Not done. That point's done. It's so clear to us when we look at history that God has wanted us to know that he's not far away. In fact, not only does he work miracles by throwing white bread all over the ground and sending quail to the people, he says it's not enough for them to know that I'm present. I want you to know too. And so I'm instituting this for your future generations. Is God with me? Is he present? If you can see a host, you know. Second question, do I belong? This is a shorter one. You're welcome. St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians tonight, because we partake of the one bread, we are members of the one body. Everywhere that you go in the world today... You are distinguished by your separation, your differences. When you go on vacation, you're distinguished by how much money you can or will spend on what kind of room you will or will not get. When you go to Disney World, however much money you spend is how fast you get to the ride even, I think. That's what I was told. When you go to class and school, you're distinguished by what grade you're in or by what age you are. And even then, sometimes you're distinguished on what your academic levels are. How skilled are you in math? Well, then you're going to be in the math A versus the math B. Whenever you go to work, you're distinguished on how much money you get to make by what things you know or can do or how long you've been there. We see it all over. No matter where you go, you're separated. When you come to church, everybody gets the same pew, even though you think yours is yours. It's the same for everybody. And when you get in line to come up for communion, as St. Paul says, you partake of the one bread, the one. Whether you are a millionaire or a man who's just declared bankruptcy, you walk side by side and you stand up here with your hands out or your mouth open to receive the same thing. Princes and politicians and the poor, they all get the same body. And what else could you want? Do I belong? The Eucharist tells you that you do. Final question. What happens to me when I die? Jesus, in this sixth chapter of John's gospel, makes zero bones, no bones, about what he intends to do by giving us his body and blood. If you would like a little bit of homework tonight, Please open up your gospel to John chapter 6 and just read the whole thing. And therefore, I won't do it tonight for you. In John chapter 6, several things happen. First, two miracles. Jesus walks on water and he multiplies loaves and fishes. These two things feed the eyes of the people who are looking on. And they wonder in their mind or in their heart, what, what is it about this man? And so they go to find him. When they cross the sea that he just walked across himself, when they get over there on boat or by going around, they find Jesus and say, we were looking for you. And Jesus says, indeed, you were. But not because you saw, but because you ate. Because something entered into your physical body. And when it did, it changed you. And the people say, they go back and forth, right, with all these questions. Well, give us this food always, or Moses gave uh, the people manna in the desert, and Jesus constantly back and forth with these people makes them go deeper and deeper and gets clearer and clearer on what he intends, until we hear what we read tonight in John chapter 6, verse 51, I think, and following. He says to them, Amen, Amen, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Nisi is, is there the Latin. Unless, nisi, without it, no. And drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my, if it wasn't enough already, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Jesus gets as clear as he can possibly be. I mean, when he says, love the poor, does he mean it? Yes. When he says, pray there, our Father, does he mean it? When he says, marriage is beautiful and children should come to me, does he mean it? What does he mean here? Unless you eat the flesh and my flesh is true food, he says it clearly. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread lives forever. And then the people start quarreling among themselves. How can this man say he gives us his flesh as as food? And so Jesus, what does he do? He turns to them and he says, no, no, no. I was just kidding. It's a metaphor, just a symbol. My flesh is like food. No, he doesn't say that. And finally, they begin to walk away. John chapter 6 verse 66 says, As a result of this, many of his disciples, that is, those who were already following him, they were under his discipline, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. That's John chapter 6 verse 66. That's John 666. 6, 6. Then Jesus, He doesn't run after them and say, there's other ways. The Eucharist is unimportant. Instead, he turns to the people who are closest to him and he says, what about you? Will you also go? And Peter, who is named the first head among equals, the first pope, he steps up and on behalf of those who believe, says, where else should we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe it, and we are convinced. Folks, Jesus didn't just give us a book to instruct us. He gave us food to construct us. Yes, he wants our minds and our hearts to be enlivened by what he teaches to be true. Please open your Bible and read it every day. But likewise, It doesn't take the comprehension or knowledge of scripture to be Catholic or to have eternal life. All it takes is a mouth. Jesus wants it to be that easy, to be made that simple. The question is not, can you live a perfectly moral life? The question that Jesus has for you, for obtaining eternal life, for having something after death, is as simple as this. Can you eat? Then you can live. The Eucharist answers some very deep questions for us, folks. And in the end, we find the answers. Yes, God is present, we see him here. Yes, you belong. Look, you're treated like everyone else at the Lord's banquet table. And yes, If you believe in him, if you receive his body and blood, death will not be the end and you'll have life forever.